Scene 2. The Odyssey Policy. Shentlepiece City on Tuscarora Mountain. Saturn's Day, Nones. Afternoon, 24th of June, 1284. Nativity of St. John the Baptist. Christian Midsummer. Amherst! shouts the little cardinal as he storms into the baron's camp. Your little pouting session will come to an end right this instant. We're languishing here, and the Duke of Philadelphia doesn't have enough troops left to mount a proper assault. Those undead monsters and vampires crippled his army. This is the last time I'm going to say this. You'd better put your troops in the field, or I'll excommunicate your army and release them from their feudal vows to serve you. Tut, tut, your eminence, replies Amherst, sipping his wine by the campfire. If the rest of Vinland does not hear about it, your excommunication won't bother my career aspirations much. You are deep in enemy territory, surrounded by elves and cultists who are hell-bent to reap vengeance upon you. I wouldn't give you one chance in thirty to make it out of here alive. In my business, as a successful military leader, one in thirty makes for some very shabby odds. And in war, the only bookie is the Grim Reaper. The last I heard, he doesn't extend credit to anyone, not even clerics. What this crusade needs is coordination. Appointing a single leader as, say, crowned viceroy of Vinland might streamline the chain of command, allow us to drive home the final punch, the coup de grace, as the defeated Frankish viceroy of Vinland would say. Piccolo Cardinal Orsini stomps his feet and pouts. Okay, okay already. I get your point. It was all just a big misunderstanding. The capture of the Frankish Viceroy of Vinland does grant you a claim to his title. But my advisors have been telling me that the man you captured is not the Viceroy, merely an innocent, poor old man who happens to resemble Lord Samuel de Champlain. After a brief interview to verify his identity, I will crown you English Viceroy of Vinland. Please bring the prisoner forward. The Baron of Amherst nods to Sir Sean Madigan, who approaches him and whispers into his ear. Amherst turns red with anger and humiliation. He calms himself and announces, It seems the Viceroy is indisposed at this moment. Could we resume this meeting at another time? If you are afraid your prisoner will not pass the test, I must declare your claim to right of conquest null and void. The Duke of Philadelphia, however, has proposed a compromise. Even though he is the highest-ranking noble in Vinland and most deserving of supreme command, whichever of you two lords is first to have his troops seize one of the elf tree-lofted platforms shall be named Governor-General. Agreed? Barely able to hide his outrage, Amherst walks out of the tent. Sir Sean, seeing through the ploy and not wanting to get squeezed out, quickly says, We agree. Sir Sean then races out of the tent to catch up with the Baron and confesses, My lord, I took the liberty to speak on your behalf and told the Cardinal we agree. He obviously wants to offer the title to the Duke of Philadelphia, even though it rightly belongs to you. That goes without saying, but I thought... Struggling to control his anger, Amherst snaps. You thought wrong, Sir Sean. As a matter of fact, we are all going about this wrong. All wrong. Sir Sean trembles a little as he asks, What do you mean, my lord? Amherst stops and looks Sir Sean fiercely in the eye and says, Do you know how I translate vele est posse? Sir Sean does not want to upstage the baron right now, but he does not want to look dumb either. He says tentatively, Something like, where there's a will, there's a way, my lord. 
Amherst sneers and says, In your world, that would be a good translation. In my world, a better translation would be, When someone gets in your way, find out which of his relatives is most eager to read his will. I assure you, every powerful man has at least one close family member who wants him dead. But the Cardinal's brothers are already... As they walk, Amherst sees Sir Robert Roger directing his troops in building stockade walls and storms up to him. Sir Robert Roger, how could you lose my most valuable prisoner? Sir Robert Roger looks at him, befuddled. My lord, you did not entrust the viceroy to my custody if that is whom you are referring to. Someone was sneaking around our camp and took him away. You're supposed to detect intruders. That's what I pay you big dollars for. At the crucial moment, you come up empty-handed. Benjamin Franklin walks up boldly. Excuse me, my lord, but we're not entirely empty-handed at the moment. Benjamin Franklin bows with great deference, attempting to soothe the wrath of his patron. You will find that the missing viceroy is just one of many schemes the Cardinals Orsini have been playing on you. After sniffing around the right places, I found out Piccolo Cardinal Orsini himself sent an agent to abduct the Frankish viceroy from your custody— it seems the High Inquisitors promised the Duke of Philadelphia appointment as Crown Governor-General of Vinland as well. You should have listened to my advice and accepted the appointment when we first got back from Salem. Now we're back to square one, dancing around while the Inquisition chuckles. The Cardinal arranged this whole charade about demanding to see the Frankish Viceroy in person, knowing full well you did not have him. Sir Sean Madigan immediately backs him up, saying, You see, my lord, it's nothing but a childish ploy to get both you and the Duke of Philadelphia strung along on this crusade without fulfilling any promises to either of you. Amherst glares at Benjamin Franklin and says, So now you're going to tell me that your trusted fellow adventurer Ariel, or should I say Lady Philippa Penn, the blasted Duke's own daughter, helped the Frankish Viceroy escape, even though I paid her a small fortune to retain her services because she's really been working for her father all along? Franklin responds confidently. Lady Philippa's integrity is irreproachable, my lord. You hired her to deliver the Sword of Laban to the Holy Office of the Inquisition, and she completed that task admirably. Not even her father knows that she carried out this quest for you. Still, I assure you, she was not assigned the quest to rescue the Viceroy for the Cardinal. What makes you so sure? Benjamin Franklin polishes his fingernails on his tunic after a quick breath and says, I happen to have stumbled across the identity of the adventurer who did it, also a young woman, like Lady Philippa, and also a Franklin like myself, but in service to the Ottoan lord, Sagamore Pontiac. Skeptical about such a lucky find, Amherst folds his arms and asks, So, where is the Viceroy now? Benjamin Franklin raises his eyebrows as if deeply sympathetic to the Baron's plight. Alas, could it not be more obvious? The Viceroy is resting in the Cardinal's tent as we speak. Sir Robert Roger, Amherst snaps, I want you to get that Viceroy back for me. Do whatever you have to. Benjamin Franklin clears his throat and raises a hand. A word of caution, my lord. You have already introduced Sir Robert Roger to all the lords of this crusade as a trusted member of your retinue. If he is caught or even noticed while engaged in this quest, it could prove disastrous to all your ambitions. So, how do you suggest I get the Frankish Viceroy back from the Cardinal? 
Franklin raises his eyebrows. Forget the Frankish Viceroy and forget the English Viceroyship. It was never on the table to begin with. King Edard's priority is to reassert his authority in Vinland, as you discovered when you met his coroner at Ithaca. He has no interest whatsoever in sharing royal prerogatives with a Viceroy in Vinland. None. You will only make him your enemy if you press this issue any further. Look at the whole landscape with a level head, my lord. The church was furious with kind-hearted Uncle Sam because he wasn't tough enough with the Black Flame heretics. The whole reason they agreed to let King Eddard conduct his war against fellow Christians on Vinland soil was that Uncle Sam was using his position as Frankish viceroy to block the Inquisition from executing heretics. The Pope does not want a noble who can stymie his orders here or anywhere else in the world. There will be no Viceroy of Vinland. Never again. Period. Amherst cannot argue with Franklin's logic, but does not like the picture he is painting. He asks, So what do you suggest I do instead? Take up their offer to be English Governor General. I have certain information that both King Edward and Pope Martin have approved the title since it's not hereditary and it doesn't include any royal privileges. A Governor General has the power to enforce the Crown's wishes, but can be removed instantly by the King's decree. There will be an English Governor General, and, with all due respect, unless you act quickly, it won't be you. Welling up with anger once again, Amherst says, isn't it perfectly obvious that the Duke of Philadelphia has a much larger and better equipped army than I do? He got decimated on his first try. We don't stand a chance of seizing those elven platforms. The whole offer is a ploy to deliver the title to him instead of me. Benjamin Franklin's natural charisma works wonders at calming the Baron back down when he says, Indeed, it is perfectly obvious. But why not beat the Duke and the Cardinals at their own game? All you have to do is be the first one to reach the top of one of the three lofted elf platforms. Impossible. As the good book says, all things are possible with God, and I might add, with a little ingenuity. It just so happens that in my adventures I stumbled across a certain young elf who is the daughter of the leader of the Tuscarora elves. Send me on a quest to negotiate with her, and I am sure we could work out a winning solution to the cardinal's challenge. However... My one condition is that you grant me full authority to speak in your name. If I have to run back and forth to get your approval for every stage of the negotiations, it won't work. Amherst's reluctance grows softer, but not too soft. He says, My word is my honor. If you bind me to a treaty in my name, I will honor it. If, however, the treaty costs me too much, you will pay the difference with your head. Are you willing to bet your life that this arrangement will win me the title of Governor-General without promising away more than it's worth? Indeed, I am. Amherst is not sure how he came around to trusting Benjamin Franklin so completely, but he says, You have full authority to speak in my name. Sir Robert Roger, get our Franklin whatever he needs. Thank you, my lord. You might as well start appointing your new gubernatorial staff now. The next time you see me, Vinland will be yours.